Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Cersei podcast. Before we get into today's message, we want to remind you that if you'd like to get connected to what God is doing here in our local community, you can text the word Cersei to 88000 for more information. There you can let us know how we can be praying for you this week, get plugged into a life group, you can give online, sign up for a serve team, and so much more. We also want to let you know that you can join us live every Sunday in person at 9 or 11 a.m. or stream our 11 a.m. service live every week on Facebook and on YouTube. Finally, you can find today's message notes in the Bible app. Just tap the link in the podcast episode notes to follow along with us. Now let's get ready to hear a great message today. being here with us. Listen, um, I invited the nine o'clock to come back too if they wanted, but we have jambalaya for you today. Uh, A lot of our people have said it's not jam, it's jum. So wherever you're from, it doesn't matter. We got food and that's what matters. So stick around. This is just an opportunity for us to hang out some. Uh, Vince, our cook today is actually from our Hot Springs campus and we have had this many, many times. It is wonderful and um, so please stick around. Help us eat this. Um, if you don't stay and, and, and eat it, i got to find people to take it to. Uh, so be sure to, to hang out and let's eat together and just spend a little time hanging out. That's the only thing that we wanted to do with it today. But I want to um, speak through this this morning, and I want to just tell you a little bit about the message. This message that I'm going to speak today and then add to it next week. I just want to do a little two-part challenge um, on our church specifically. I want to be able to cast some vision following 15 months of what has is, is felt like stagnation. And so um, this particular text, I actually started with you a year ago, and I didn't make it through but about half of that message, and so I just took good notes kind of on where I was with it. And I feel like now is the time to revisit that. And so I'm going to do it in two different parts. Today is going to be all about you, okay? It's going to be about you as an individual, uh, not really as, as a family, but you as a follower of Christ, you personally. Next week is going to be all about our church. So I'm going to specifically speak and cast vision about our church, and you'll know kind of where I'm going when I hop into this message in just just a moment. But I'm just going to try to cast vision about um, what do we do do next? Um, what are we supposed to do? What do we how do, how do how do we pick up and move forward? And I think every pastor is looking at that as people are starting to to trickle back into in-house meetings, and so. Um, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that you're in-house today. But I want to start with uh, a statement today that I think we can all agree on, and that is that winning is better than not winning, all right? And I always kind of compare this to um, competition or sports when I hear the word winning. And so I've thought a lot about our city. I've thought about... uh, our high school, I've thought about the academy, I've thought about how well they've done in sports, and I've thought about the, the University of Arkansas, and how well um, we're kind of bouncing back, and it's, it's different for us here, because we're not the University of Alabama, okay, so it's not like every year there's a championship, 
So we are, are kind of getting in this rhythm of going, man, this is what winning feels like. I mean, we're watching baseball and basketball. Of course, our track and field is doing great. Our high schools are doing great. And so winning always feels better than not winning. There's some celebration and encouragement that always comes with it. It's just a good overall feeling to know that you, in whatever area, are winning. And so, again, many times when we think of winning, we immediately think of competition. But there's some of you in this room, you are so competitive that you would rather lose friends than lose at anything. Okay, and so um, some of you want to get to work first. Some of you want the best lawn on the street. Some of you want to fall asleep the fastest. I don't know if you've ever um, watched or played in Christian softball leagues, but there's not really much Jesus happening there. Okay, it's, it's, it's very, very rough. I've leaned against the fence many times waiting on three or four men to stop squabbling so we get back to the ball game in a Christian softball league. Um, very, very competitive. And so you may be here this morning and your entire life is a race. I mean, you are constantly looking at life through a competitive lens and, and, and how you plan to come out ahead of something. It's like this voice in your head is always saying, winning is everything, winning is everything, winning is everything. But not everyone is hardwired to be a competitor. There's some of you in here, you take more of a lackadaisical approach when it comes to being competitive. You would, you would actually almost start your Thanksgiving day by just telling your family you win. Okay, Whatever, whatever you're going to say and talk about and confront me with today, you win. And you may look at other areas of life and be like, I don't care who wins that. I don't care who wins the PGA Championship today. I don't care who wins the Super Bowl. I don't, I don't care what happens with any of it. I just, it. It's not in me to care about those things. But I think all of us can find common ground because when we look at the most important arena in any of our, our lives, it does boil down to our life's expectation our life's energy, um, so much so that life can quickly become just about you if, if you're not careful. But I think all the decisions that we're making way out here on the per periphery really come down to being about your life and what you want the most and what you want to achieve. And even words like le legacy, um, if, you're, if you're getting on up there, you're thinking about what story do I want to leave behind for people um, how do I want my family to be able to, to describe me? And it quickly becomes very centered about your life. And so I want to ask a question. And this question is one that I think I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say most people never ask themselves. And consequently, that also means that there's never an answer. And that question is this. What is the win for you? What does it mean to win? And I don't care what filter you use for this. I don't care what example. I don't care if it's finances. I don't care if it's marriage. I don't care if it's your relationship with God and his church. I just want you to start thinking about what does the win look like for you. And again, this is the challenge of these next couple of weeks because after 15 months of being stagnant, I'm ready, more than ready, to really start examining and thinking about what does the win look like for us as we kind of come out of this stage of, 
isolation and slumber and, and, and holding everybody away? How do, how do we come back to a Christian model of, of being in community and moving the church forward? And what does that look like? Because you may right now be in a mindset of survival rather than thriving. You've just been like, man, I just got to get, get through the next week. And then when that week ends, I just got to get through another week and, and so on. You're just, you're surviving. And so knowing what the win is for you has not been a, a big question on the forefront of your mind. So it's difficult to know if you're winning, if you've never identified what it looks like. If I use a sports example, in competition there are always cheers from the fans, and as you do well, the, the fan base rises with that and gives you energy and cheers you on. We don't have that. In, in, in competition, there's a scoreboard, and you can glance at it, and in just a glance, you can tell if you're winning or losing and how much time you've got to make up the difference. But also, if you are even on a, on a team sport, there's a way to convert that and make it about an individual performance. For example, you can always calculate RBIs or batting average or home runs or assists or three points or free throws or block shots or rebounds or touchdowns and field goals and receiving yards. These, these are things that regardless if your team wins or not, you could win in the middle of that. So the team could lose, but you, you could te technically and statistically be like, well, I had five RBIs. I mean, I did really well today even though we lost. Because there's a metric, there's a personal win defined for you where people can say, if this happens, then you were successful at it. Well, in the areas of life that matter most, a lot of us have never defined the win. So, what's a relational win for you? Does it mean to get married? Does it mean to stack up a bunch of years of marriage? Uh, financially, what's, what's a win? Does it mean to save a lot? Does it mean to spend a lot? Does it mean to have a lot of margin? What's the win? When it comes to family, what's the win for you? Is it to foster? Is it to adopt? Is it biological children? Is it one? Is it three? Is it five? Um, the, these are things that you get to pick and feel out. Is that the win for me? Well, Here's, here's a big point that I kind of want to start with, and it's this. If you don't define your win, you're going to adopt someone else's. It's in our, our nature to be followers, to be habitual. And so as we look around and observe life, if we're not defining it for ourselves, we will adopt or adapt to someone else's version of a win. And What's really sad about that is this. You may say, well, I'm not close to anybody. I don't have any mentors. What's sad is that you will actually adopt a fictional model based upon something you've seen on, on TV or, or YouTube, and you will say, I guess that's what a family looks like, or I guess that's what finances look like. Is That person in that movie, that's what I wish my life was like financially because you've never defined the win for yourself personally. Here's an example of that. You may end up parenting how your 
your friend's parent. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's just you've never taken the time to, to define that. Maybe you're, the goal of your marriage can quickly become to be like another marriage couple. And again, I'm not knocking mentoring. You can also have not goals. And not goals are I'm not going to be like my parents. Or I'm not going to be like that. Or I'm not going to be like them. But a not goal, having a not goal is not defining the win for you. It's just you looking at another circumstance and saying, I hope I don't end up like that or them. Here's another angle I want to take on when it comes to winning. When we think of people, we think of words, all right? And so we can typically tie together three or four words per person in our mind, and we label them, and we often fill in, in the blank on things like, he's so blank, or she's so blank, or they always blank. And whatever that word is has become so significant to us, it becomes entrenched. And almost every time we think of that person, we come up with that word, with those, with those types of, of, of words describing them. So I want to flip that for just a second and ask you, have you ever thought what you want those words to be about you? When people look at you and say, he's so blank, she always blank. What's that word for you? So are we winning in that area of how we relate to other people? So again, it becomes not just about me and my life, but it's how I'm perceived as I follow Jesus. I've always told you that Paul really blows my mind when he tells his reader, follow me as I'm following Jesus. That's a lot of confidence. There's a lot of weight in that particular statement. Follow me because I'm following Jesus. This is exactly what, what he's talking about. Paul, you're so blank. Is he winning with his interaction with other people? What would your family fill in the blank with? What would the people who you love the most fill in the blank with? What would strangers fill in the blank with? When people think of you, have they experienced your character and integrity and the personal touch that you can put on, your, on their, their lives? John Maxwell says this, people will summar, summarize your life in one sentence, so pick that sentence now. He's saying you and I get the opportunity to define what that looks like. So today what I'm going to ask us to do and challenge you to do as an individual is to redefine the win in your life following a very hard season that everyone has experienced. I'm going to challenge you to come back to a dream and a time in your life when you were inspired and wanted to do more than you've ever done before, certainly more than just sit at your computer in your pajamas all day. What do you want to do? And to define the win for your life, not, not just pipe dreams, but line it up with God's will, God's calling over you, the passions that you have for life, the skill set that you have, the giftedness he put on your life. What do you want to do with that? To redefine right now what a win looks like for you. Robbie and I are about to celebrate 21 years of marriage, and I know what you're thinking. I agree. She's extremely lucky. But 
along these 21 years, we've had good years, we've had not so good years. And occasionally, we have a conversation that goes something like this. One of us will ask the other one, do you still love me for 21 years? We always answer yes. And then the next question is, but do you still like me? To which one or both of us will answer, mostly. Okay, listen, for me, that's a win. I'm going to take it. Okay, if we're loving each other all of the time and liking each other most of the time, that's a win for me. For parents, sometimes the definition of a win for you is to have kids that are behaved. How many of you guys remember before you had kids and you went to Walmart and you'd see kids acting out? Anybody remember that? You go to Walmart, there'd be kids acting crazy, and you would say to your spouse, when our kids are never, they are never going to act this way. They're going to sit up straight in that, that buggy, have good posture. They're going to eat their goldfish, and, and it's, they're going to be quiet. They're going to be respectful of the customers, and we're going to be professional parents, and this is what's going to happen. We are never, ever, ever going to let our kid act the way that person acts. So for some of you, winning with parenting was just having behavior that was acceptable of, of, of your children. So I say that. To say winning is going to look different for every single person in, in, in the room. No matter if it's finances, relationship, your relationship to God and, and his church, winning is going to look completely different regardless of where you're coming from. So I want you to go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to take a really quick look at a message by Paul, and we're going to talk, talk this out about, about what a win can look like. Paul's statement is coming from a place in his life where he has failed a lot, where he's had a lot of tough times, where he's been discouraged, where he's, he's, he's wondered, man, th this, can't, this can't be the way God intended this to be. And he's come out of that and grown into a man that's not only full of faith but full of wisdom. And we're about to get to glean from some of that. So in 1 Corinthians 9... Verse 19 is where I'm going to start, and I'm reading from the NIV today if, if you're following. So just hear me with your heart today. Though I am free, he says, and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, watch this, to win as many as possible. His definition of winning was to win as many as possible. And we know this, looking back on his life, we know that everything that Paul did from his conversion to his death was about people. I'm going to write letters to churches to encourage people. I'm going to help plant churches to lift up and encourage people. I'm going to speak every day with people. I'm going to mentor pastors so that I can affect people. Everything in his life, one focus, people, people, people. So Paul's definition of winning was to win others. And he goes on in verse 20. Let, let's read this. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win Jews. To those under law, he's still speaking to, to, to Jews, 
I became like one under the law so as to win those under law. To those not having law, Gentiles, I became like one not having law so as to win those not having law. Verse 22, to the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. This is a great definition of what a win is for Paul. I just want to win people. That's my whole life's goal, the aim. I know if I am winning people, then I'm winning. I don't have to have a scoreboard. I don't have to have, have a pat on, on the back. You don't have to cheer for me. You don't have to write songs about me. I, I don't have to know a, a, a time frame. All I know is if I'm winning people, if that's the metric, then I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. Now, what comes next in this message is for you and me, his audience, the listener, the recipient of his wisdom. And in verse 24, he's going to break it down for us. He says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run and only one gets the prize? He's saying in a competition the win is obvious, the prize. We want to get to the shiny thing. We want to get to the object that, is, that everyone is going is to hold value for, and we're going to get to take that with us, and we're going to be forever connected to this moment based upon this trophy or object that we get to walk away with that says, you did it. In football, you line up against your competition. In a race, you line up against your competition. In a hot dog eating contest, you line up with your competition. But when it comes to winning in life, it's not near as obvious. There are no fans. There's not a clock. There's not a scoreboard. There's not anything that we, we can go to and say, hey, man, listen, we got, we got 10 years left. How do I want to spend the last 10 years of my life? Because that's all that I got left. I mean, we know with ambiguity, there's some number out there for every single one of us. But we don't know where, where we are in the process. There may be some of you today, and your only measurement of winning is that you made it to bed again. You made it. All the kids are home. My spouse is home. We're all into one roof tonight, and that's it. But there's no fans, no clock, no scoreboard. It's hard to tell what, what, what we're doing. And here's what Paul says next in verse 24. He says, because there's not a clock, because there's not a scoreboard, because there's not a, a metric, you need to run in such a way to get the prize. He says, there's got to be something in you that is driven, that wants it, that is tapped into that passion on your life and the giftedness for your life. You've got to be sensitive to that and intentional with that part of you so that you will run as if there were the prize. And he goes on in verse 25, he says, Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training, and they do it to get a crown that will not last. Paul is speaking here about the ancient Greek games. The winner would get a laurel wreath, and, and, and that, that's, that's leaves. They would do all this strict training and all these things to get 
a little, a little wreath that they would wear on top of their head made of leaves. And this is actually what, what it means, the, the, the old, old phrase, resting on your laurels. It means you're leaning into your past accomplishments. And But Paul's thing here is, listen, the laurel wreath is going to die, man. It's going to get brittle. It's going to fall apart. It's going to get ugly. It's going to lose its shine. It's going to lose its zeal. And it's going to fade. Growing up playing sports like most of, of you did, you had a collection of trophies by the time you hit 19, 20 years old. My mom actually called me several years after I was married, and she said, hey, son, listen, your dad and I are cleaning out, out the attic, and we got a slew of trophies up here. What do you want us to do with these things? I didn't even blink. I just said, throw them out. I don't want them anymore. They don't, they don't mean anything. I'm not connected to it anymore. I'm not identified by it. I don't, I don't need it. They're, the plaques have fallen apart. The, the little golden pieces are not gold anymore, and if they are, they're not shiny, and the the little medallions on on a, on a on on a string. The the fabric is all faded and torn. It just throw them out. It was easy. Why? Because I'm no longer connected to that winning anymore. I got to redefine it. When I was 12, walking away with a plastic trophy with my name on it meant something. But now, as a grown man with grown dreams and and desires in me from God, that's not going to do it anymore. I've had to totally redefine what does it mean for me to be on track. And this is what Paul is preaching. He's saying, listen, these people are out out here running for something that's not even going to last. But verse 25, he challenges us with this. He says, but we do it. You and me as followers, as believers, as people who are on fire for what the local church could be, we do it to receive something that will last forever. There's going to be part of our experience, not in this life, but afterward, that is eternal, something that doesn't rust, it doesn't fade, it doesn't fall apart. And we're going to be able to have that connection with that win forever for the glory of God. Paul is confident that he has defined the win. In verse 26 and 7, he ends this. He says, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer striking the air. This is all on the heels of him saying, we do it so that we can get this forever peace in our our lives. Therefore, I don't run just to run. And I don't swing my fist into the air just to swing them. He's saying, I've got purpose. I know what it means in my life to be on target. Let me tell you something today for all of us, including myself. We're not going to win by wishing it. I wish things would get better. I wish this. I wish that. I wish the government. I, I wish the pandemic. I wish my finances. I wish no, nothing gets better based upon a wish. That's a Disney movie. All right? You don't win by just hoping. And hope is powerful. 
It's actually part of, of the recipe for faith. Hope can be powerful, but it doesn't play out on its own. You don't even win by praying it. You win by preparing for the win. I'm going to do what I need to do. Put myself in a position, make the right choices, do the right things, stay in alignment with God, get myself up and going and out of this funk that we've been in for 15 months and redefine what it looks like for you personally to win. And listen, this can't be about your family right now. This can't be about your friendships. It's got to be about you. It's got to be about you. And when you get the win, it will roll over and pour out onto your family. But you got to know what, what it is. You got to know what it means for you right now. The redefinement of what it is for you to walk with God. For you to win at following Jesus. For you to win in finances. For you to win at parenting. For you to win in marriage. You got to re redefine it. Now, I'm going to say something. I got plenty of time, but I'm I'm about to end. I I want to say something. If 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 you're looking to walk out of here offended today, you're you're going to find that in the next 60 seconds. So I want you to hear this with your heart, with the rational heart that's in you, not not with just some emotional stream. Some in this room today, you need to challenge yourself to step away from, from goals and things that are undefined, that have been scattered for you, and come back to a place of focus. And here's, I'm going to give you some examples. If you're a single parent today, and your goal is to be married to a mature follower of Jesus, you cannot date like just anybody can date. Why? Because you've defined the win. And it's serious for you. And you're wanting to find someone who will love not only you, but love your children. And so it's serious. It raises the bar. And it does that. Why? Because you've defined the win. If you're a recovering addict, you cannot go to all the places that some of your friends might go. Why? Because you've defined the win. And the win for you is another day and another day and another day of sobriety. So you're not going to tempt yourself with certain places. Why? Because you've defined the win. If you're a student, you, you're just not going to squander time the way some people squander it. This is a season, at least part of it, where you're going to have to be focused and driven and motivated and willing to learn and change and develop and stretch yourself? Why? Because you've defined the win. There's a point of time out there where you want to take a tassel and move it. That's the win for you. If you're a parent, your goals are different. And for some of you, you're, you're still learning to put away childish things of, of your own. You're learning to do things that, that are hard. You're learning to let things go quicker. You're learning to, to, to put away childish things and, and thinking as a child and acting as a child. Why? Because you have children. 
And, and you're going to be willing to do that because you've defined the win of parenting for yourself. I say all this to say that when you define the win, sometimes it means this. Not right now, but maybe later. I'm defining the win. And so when I define the win, I say no to some things to make room for other things. This is also called losing the win. I lose right now so that later there's a greater chance of me winning. And so this, this saying, hey, we've got to re redefine, it's not easy. It's easy for me to talk about. But we all have to take this and leave with it and come to a very focused place the same way Paul has been through this text and go, what does it mean for you? And that's going to take some thinking. It's going to take some praying. It's going to take some conversation with, with yourself. And you're going to have to come out of that season, out of that challenge by going, I know what this means for me and it's gonna have consequence with it because you're you're gonna say I've defined the win and because of that I'm not gonna be able to hang out with this group of people because of this I gotta stop spending time this way or maybe over the past 15 months I've developed a habit that I have no business having but now that I've redefined the win that habit's gotta go there may be work involved you may have to put on some gloves and get your hands dirty but it's going to be good. It's going to be good for us. Next week, I'm going to take this same thing. I'm going to apply it to our church. What does that mean? What does it mean for us to come back together? To have chairs with people in them? To have life groups again? What does that, what does that mean? To win people. To reach our community. To share the love of God. To be followers of Jesus. We're going to have to redefine that because it's been so great for a lot of people. I want to pray over you really quick, and then we're going to eat. God, I love you.